So we're going to be in John 10 again, looking at the same passage, but we're going to pair it with Ezekiel 34. So if you, if you got a little bookmark, it'd be helpful for you to have a finger in John 10 and then a bookmark or something in Ezekiel 34, because we're going to be looking at both those passages today. And uh, we're going to look at Jesus as the good shepherd, but really we're going to look at us as shepherding, okay? So we have this picture of Jesus as the good shepherd, and then we're going to look today. We looked at that last week. We're going to look today at what it means to shepherd, okay? What does it mean to shepherd? So turn your Bibles, John 10 and Ezekiel 34 are going to be the big places that we're at. We're actually going to be all over the, the scriptures just because this is the this is the pro-presenter uh, person's nightmare type of sermon because we're, we're really looking topically at what does it mean for God's people to shepherd one another. John 10. Okay, I'm going to begin reading in verse 11. And uh, I'm going to read through verse 16. And then we'll jump over to Ezekiel 34 and we'll read about 10 verses there, Okay. So John 10, beginning in verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold, I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice, so there will be one flock and one shepherd. Now, if, if you got a bookmark there, Ezekiel 34, beginning in verse 1. The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my sheep have become a prey. And my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts, since there was no shepherd. And because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths, that they may not be food for them. Father, we thank you that, Jesus, you're our good shepherd. God, thank you, Jesus, that you laid down your life for us. Thank you, Jesus, that you, you know us and that we hear your voice and that we follow you and that you lead us to good pasture and that you, you've come that we might have life and have it abundantly. And Father, I pray that this morning you would teach us what it, what it looks like to, 
to care for people, what it looks like to watch over their souls, what it looks like to feed them with truth, to go after the stray, and to seek for the lost. Father, help us to live out uh, your call upon our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so last week we looked at John 10, mainly looking at Jesus as the good shepherd, Jesus revealing himself as the good shepherd, uh, the shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep, who knows the sheep, who leads them out by, by name, you know, calls them individually, and they follow him, and he leads them to pasture, and he gives them life, and we looked mainly last week at what kind of life is that, what is the abundant life that the good shepherd is leading us into and, and today, I just want to take the same passage, and, and I want to uh, explore with you the topic of shepherding, okay? Now, now, Jesus is the good shepherd. That's here in John 10. Hebrews 13, 20 calls him the great shepherd. First uh, Peter 5, 4 calls him the chief shepherd. But under Jesus are what, what have been called under shepherds, all right? Christians called to shepherd churches, all right? Other Christians called to shepherd a small group. Other Christians called to shepherd a discipleship group. Other Christians called to shepherd their family, a whole bunch of them, okay? Uh, all parents who are in Christ called to shepherd their children, okay? Believers called to shepherd those that they are living life with, those who are in their circle of what we like to call here at Lincoln Avenue, Christ-centered relationships, all right? So in that spirit, I, I want us to explore what does that look like to shepherd, okay? So, so let, me, let me just give you some foundational passages here. You don't have to look at all these, but let me just read them. So, so 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. Do you, do you notice there that their shepherd is, is not so much a person, it is something there to do. The elders are to shepherd the flock of God. So shepherding is this activity, this spiritual uh, investment that believers are to do in the church. Now, what, what does that look like? Well, we're to exercise oversight, obviously, um, and, and in what context? Well, for, first of all, in a family. So in 1 Timothy 3, when, when Paul is giving qualifications for a pastor, a shepherd, an elder, an overseer, okay, one of the things he says is in verse 4, he must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? And so what, what he teaches us there is, is that that caring for a church, overseeing a church, shepherding a church is the same skill set as shepherding a family, right? So you're, you're, everybody's called to do, to do the family thing for sure. And then those who, who, whom God has called to, to shepherd the church then use those same skills they use in the family to shepherd a church. Just generically, uh, as we live life together, Hebrews 3.12 tells us to do this. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any, of, in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called a day, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Notice the one another there. 
Okay, there's a whole category of verses in the Bible that I would call one another verses. So how are we to live with one another? All right, so that verse says we're to exhort one another. We're to be careful. We're to watch out for one another so that no one is deceived. No one is carried away by the deceitfulness of sin. A verse that we have uh, made kind of our theme verse this year for small groups is Hebrews 10, 24. And it says, let us consider how to stir up one another. There's the one another again. How to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. There's a one another. How are we to live with one another? Well, we're to stir up one another. We're to encourage one another. Colossians 3.16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. A verse we're going to a passage we're going to look at very extensively later on in the sermon is James 5:19 and 20 that says my brothers if any one among you wanders from the truth and someone, okay, notice someone, just just whoever God gives that job to, someone brings him back. Let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. In Galatians uh, chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual, okay? You are spiritual. There's, the, there's the, who, the, who the task is given to. Should restore him in a spirit of gentleness, keeping watch on yourself, lest you also be tempted. Okay, I, I, I would think all of those verses that I just read fall in the category of this job of shepherding, Okay. Depending on your relationship, your responsibility with the people who you are overseeing. Okay, now here's the reality of Ezekiel 34. Okay, some shepherds do a really bad job. Right, that's that's the reality. Okay, I'm, I'm talking about some pastors do a really bad job. Some leaders do a really bad job. Some friends do a really bad job. Some parents can do a really bad job at shepherding. And, and, and if there's anything we learn from Ezekiel 34 is God notices that. Okay, God sees that. Verse 10, he says, I'm a, of Ezekiel 34, I'm against you. I will require my sheep at your hand. Not only is God against those who do a bad job at looking after one another, but God will reward those who do a good job. First Peter chapter 5. Verse 4 says, when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. So those of you who care for one another well, when Jesus comes back, you'll receive this crown of glory. So shepherding badly has consequences and shepherding well has rewards. All right. So let's, I guess what I'm saying is we should care about this. Okay. What, I guess what I wanted to do right there was convince you not to check out because you're like, well, I'm not a pastor. So I hope Jason listens to his sermon really well. You know, um, I hope I do too. I mean, that, that's a heavy thing on me. But what I'm telling you is it's very clear in the scripture that you are to have a role in the spiritual lives of other people. And so what does that look like to shepherd? All right. Number one, at the heart of shepherding is spiritual oversight, okay? A shepherd is watching over the welfare of his flock. I believe the biblical picture, the metaphor that Jesus uses of a shepherd, which would have been very familiar to the people of his day, would be a shepherd who has his flock out, and he kind of gets up on a high vantage point, a rock with his, with his little shepherd's crook there, and, he, and he's watching over the flock. 
He's watching to see is there danger. He's watching to see is anybody wandering. He's watching to see is anybody in trouble. Okay, He is watching over the welfare of his flock. One of the best passages uh, for this is Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews 13 verse 17 says this, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy, not with groaning, for that would not be of any advantage to you. Do you see the definition there? Those who are keeping watch over your souls. I mean, let that sink in. We are to watch over the souls of one another. I'm to watch over your souls. You're to watch over those who, who you have, uh, have a responsibility, a connection to. You're to watch out, watch over their souls. Okay? Go back to John. Uh, one of the things we see in, in the Gospel of John uh, about Jesus, the good shepherd, it, it mentions this over and over again. Uh, let's look at verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. I'm going to jump over to verse 27. I don't know if we have this on the screen, but it says the same thing. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow them, follow me. So there's this emphasis in John 10 that Jesus knows his sheep. In fact, last week, we talked about the, the significance that he knows them by name. He calls them out by name. Jesus knows his sheep, and, he, and they know his voice, and, and, and they follow him. Now, I'll just raise my hand, and I, I, think, I think I can do this for you. I'll raise your hand in, in my play, okay? All right? We love this about Jesus, okay? We love this that Jesus knows us. He knows when we're weak. He knows when we're struggling. He knows when we're tempted. He knows when we're fragile. He knows when we sin, and he works to fix all that, right? Like he comes to our rescue. He heals. He restores. He protects. He refreshes. We love that Jesus knows our baggage. Man, he knows the dark past. There, there is things in my past I don't want you to know. But I'm glad Jesus knows them. I'm glad I'm not going to get to heaven someday. And Jesus is going to be like, hey, come on. Oh, wait. I didn't know that. Nah, sorry. You know, hey, I, I, I didn't know that about you. No, he knows all of our failures, all of our wicked thoughts and deeds. He knows them all, and still he pursues us. That's incredible. Still he comes after us. Still he wants us. He knows the worst ugly things in our past, and he still loves us. And he lays down his life to pay the penalty for those dark, terrible things. And he puts his spirit in us to change us, to make us new so we don't live that way anymore. So that we're, we're different people. We have a new heart. We have a will that turns away from sin. Jesus knows us. All right. He's the good shepherd. He knows us so he can keep after his flock. What about other people knowing us? All right, let me speak for you. Whoa, pastor, come on. Crossing the line there, buddy. Okay, I'll just, I'll, I'll voice your opinion, okay? Crossing the line, like that, that's, that's no good. Here's the reality. Some of you don't want to be known. True? That's true. Some of you do not want to be known. You guard yourself from others ever getting on the inside of your comfort zone. You hide your struggles. You don't want to be open. You don't let anyone 
look after your soul. Why? Well, because you don't trust them, right? What if they betray you? What if they use your weakness against you? What if they, for some, this is like the worst thing that could ever happen. What, what, if, they, what if they know your struggles and they go tell other people and they're talking about you? Some people have a, a high-grade fever of paranoia all the time, you know? Like, like two people are talking over in the corner and they're, they're th- literally, like there are people that live this way, they're like, they're talking about me, you know? I mean, they're probably talking about, I don't know. Well, I don't know what they're talking about. Like, I, I don't have that in me. Like, I probably should have a little bit more of that. Probably there are times where they are talking about me and I'm just oblivious to it, all right? But I don't have that at all. Some people have a lot of that. Like, they're, they're like, man, I'm, I'm just afraid people are gonna know things about me and then they're gonna talk about me. Sometimes it's just, let's just be honest, it's just pride. Like, sometimes it's just this, thick layer of pride in our life where we don't want anyone to know we struggle. We want everybody to see us in this way that we portray ourselves. It's, it's why we have social media, because you can pretend to have a life that you really don't have, right? You, know, you, you can just only put the good things up there, and that, that, that's the way a lot of people want to live. Listen, Jesus, the good shepherd, he will never let you down. Isn't that awesome? He will never use your weaknesses, your struggles, your your pain, your failures. He will never use those against you. He he dies for them, and and he helps you in your weaknesses. What about other people? What about shepherds, pastors, small group leaders, DT group leaders, spiritual friends, parents, kids? Okay, let's just be honest. They'll probably let you down. That's a disappointing answer, isn't it? You thought it was going to go a different direction, didn't you? No, let, let's, just, let's just face it. They, they will probably let you down. The disciples, they let Jesus down, did they not? Man, big time, big time. He's bearing his heart to them. You know, I'm going to the cross, but he'd be butchered for, for the sins of humanity. And they're all like, okay, but who's going to have the best seat in the cabinet office, you know? I mean, I mean they, they completely let him down. Judas betrays him. Everybody let Paul down. One of my, one of my favorite passages in the, in the New Testament is in, in 2 Timothy where, where Paul's in prison and he's, he's, uh, he's going to his trial and he says, uh, verse 16 of chapter 4, 2 Timothy, At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. Then he goes, may it, all, may it not be charged against you. Now please come and see me, Okay. That's what I love about that. He's like, everybody let me down. Now, when are y'all going to come see me? I'd come see you, but I'm in prison. You know, when are you going to come see me? So, yes. I mean, I hope not. Let's, let's just say that. I don't think it's a guarantee. I hope, I hope your pastor doesn't let you down. I hope your small group leader doesn't let you down. I hope your spiritual friends don't let you down. I hope your parents didn't let you down. Or if they did, I hope it's just in small ways. But the reality is, there's only one good shepherd, only one sinless shepherd. Everybody else is a sinner. Okay, but here's my stance on the deal. This is important enough to be worth it. Okay? That's my stance on it. My stance on it is, I'm, I'm looking at people eye to eye and saying, I know you will probably let me down. But, man, I, I want you to be involved in my life. It's worth it. I know you'll probably let me down, but here's all my junk. 
I know you'll probably let me down, but here's where I'm at. Here's where I'm weak. I know you'll probably let me down. Would you please pray for me, though? Yeah, the, the, I mean, sometimes you have to look at that, right? Like, like it's a reality that, that you might drive to the OSU-Kansas State game and be in a car wreck and die. That is a reality. Do we all know that? We all know that. Going to the OSU-K-State game may kill you, may end your life. What do most people say? It's worth it, right? I mean, really. Like most people will say, they just make that decision in your mind. I, I know we could die, but you know what? Going to a college football game is absolutely worth the risk, the small risk of whatever bad thing could happen. Well, I'm telling you the same thing with people spiritually knowing you, but to a greater degree. I'm, I'm telling you the risk and the actual damage, like, like most of the time, when actually that letting down does happen, you know, when we look back on it, it's like, well, okay, what did I really lose there, you know? I mean, man, I love where, let's go back to Paul. I love what he, what he says when everybody lets him down. Um, this is not on the screens because I wasn't planning on saying it, but he says at my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me, may it not be charged against them. Verse 17, but the Lord stood by me and he strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth and the Lord will rescue me again. You see what Paul does there? He's like, everybody let me down. But you know what? It doesn't really matter because Jesus was right there and he picked me up. And man, it was awesome. All right, so here's what I'm telling you about everybody letting you down. Probably, but it's absolutely worth it. And Jesus commands that you be known and that you know. That you know others and that you be known by others. So being shepherded, being known by other believers, having others watch over your soul, having others pray for you and speak truth to you and care for your spiritual life is totally worth the inevitability that someone at some point will let you down. Because here's the reality of the scriptures. You need other believers. Other believers need you. 1 Corinthians 12, 21, the eye cannot say this is the body of Christ made of all different parts and, and the analogy is a body. And Paul says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. You can't say that. You need other believers. The Holy Spirit works through individual believers to build up the body of Christ. God sends his grace through the hands and feet and words and deeds of other believers. So we must know one another. We must know one another. Some of you make that really easy. Thank you. Thank you for that. Some of you make that incredibly hard. No thank you for that, okay? Stop doing that. We have things like Sunday school and small groups and numerous Bible studies and multitude of DT groups and, and all of with the intent that you would know and be known that you would look after the souls of your fellow believers. And this, it takes work. In Acts 20, 28, when Paul's talking to the Ephesian elders, he says, pay careful attention to the flock. In Hebrews 3, 12 through 14, he says, take care, brothers. Okay, those are all words that mean, man, you're going to have to give effort to this. You're going to have to give attention to this. So shepherding is, is spiritual oversight, number one. Okay, number two, shepherding is feeding. All right, it's feeding. We saw that in Ezekiel uh, over and over again. He talks about how the, the, the shepherds of Israel did not feed the flock. In, in, in John 10, Jesus talks about being the good shepherd and leading the flock to pasture and to abundant life. 
Okay, so shepherding is feeding. Okay, here's how I would describe feeding. I would describe feeding as, as giving the truth of God's word to people. In John 21, I love it, after, after Peter blows it, just hugely betrays his friend in, in his time of need, Jesus restores Peter, and here's how the conversation goes, all right? John chapter 21, verse 15, when they'd finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he, he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep three times. Do you love me, Peter? If you do, then feed my sheep. And what was he talking about? He was talking about give the word of truth to my sheep. Hebrews chapter 5 talks about the progression of, of growing in maturity to a person who is skilled at giving the truth to people. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12, it says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk and not solid food for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child, but solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. You need to be in the word so much that, that your powers of discernment are trained and you're skilled and you're able to use the word of God in other people's lives. We already looked at Colossians 3.16 that says to teach and admonish one another. It says let the word of Christ dwell Dwell in you richly and then teach and admonish one another. Okay, so what you hear and what you understand and what you believe from the word of God, you should be sharing. It's just as simple as that. What you hear, believe, and practice, you ought to be sharing with other people for the good of their soul. I don't know what the best way to disciple your children is. I just know this. If there is a best way then I either missed it all together or some of my kids missed it because I've not done it the same with any of them, okay? And uh, I just keep trying new things. And, and the new thing I'm trying uh, right now is uh, Haven Switch Schools going to a school which got to be there a lot earlier. And, um, and so we don't have time to do our, our morning Bible study anymore. And, and so we've kind of switched that to a different time. And, and so on the way to school, my, my new strategy is I always have discipleship groups before I take her to school. And, and so uh, I, whatever, I, whatever I studied that morning with guys, whatever application I made, well, we get in the car and we take off and, and we do a little chit-chat. She's usually pretty groggy. And then at some point around McDonald's or so as we're coming up over the hill, I, I say, hey, let me, let me share with you what I learned this morning. You know, we were reading this and this really stuck out to me and my application was this. So here's what I saw in the scriptures. Here's what I believe. Here's what I'm going to do. And then I pray for her, and then I drop her off. You know, that, that's kind of my new, I don't know how long I'll do that, but that's my new model. But, but that, that basic model is, is the basis for feeding. Like, like you, you hear the Word of God, you believe the Word of God, you're living out the Word of God, and you share that with others. You speak the truth of God to others. In Ezekiel 34, verses 3 through 4, this is the problem with these shepherds. He said, you eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep, the weak you've not strengthened, the sick you've not healed, the injured you've not bound up. They, they were not feeding the sheep. They were not strengthening the sheep. Food strengthens, right? The Word of God strengthens people. 
Okay, your life, your example, your faith strengthens other people. For, for the longest time, the, the basis, the bedrock still is of our small group ministry is Romans 1, 11 and 12. It says this, I long to see you, okay, get together. Okay, I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Basically, Paul says, I want to get together with you because when we get together with you, you're going to see my faith and I'm going to see your faith and I'm going to be stronger because of seeing your faith and you're going to be stronger because of seeing my faith. That's part of feeding. That's part of shepherding. Ezekiel 34, 4. Shepherds not only feed, but they also heal the sick and bind up the injured. Guys, life is hard on people. Life is hard on people. We just got devastating news this morning, even, of a guy that we've been ministering to and caring for and a very close family member of, of uh, a family in our church. You know, devastating news. Man, that, that's not going to stop. Life is hard, and there's people that are limping from the struggles of life. And shepherding means praying for their healing and binding up their wounds and, 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 and physically and spiritually and emotionally caring for them. It's showing compassion. It's listening. Listening. I, I, I'm a huge skeptic of statistics. Uh, and, and if you know me, if you, if you spend a lot of time with me casually, you'll know that because I just make up a whole bunch of them just for fun, you know? And uh, just because I think, I think it's so dumb. Like, like I, just, I just think people use them for, for wrong reasons. And so I actually think my experiments are just as good as anything I watch on the news, okay? Well, let, let me tell you, here, here's one of my experience. It, Nothing scientific about this other than a whole lot of experience. But here's one of the things I've seen. People who don't listen well have a lot of relational problems. Okay, so people that don't, like, like I, I, I think I probably deal with, on a regular day-to-day basis, as many broken people as probably anybody. And, and my observation is, is the less a person is able to listen, the, the less skilled they are at listening, usually the more broken relationally they are. Like, like the less tight ties, connectedness they have. Um, some people are just not good listeners. And, and listen, if you're going to shepherd people, you, you have to learn to listen. Like part of caring for people is listening. And actually, actually discerning where they are. It's hard to watch after somebody's soul if you don't, if you don't know what's going on in their soul. It's hard, to go, it's hard to know what's going on in their soul if you don't listen to them. That's, my, that's your scientific statistic from Pastor Jason today, okay? Ezekiel 34.4. I'm just walking through Ezekiel here. What didn't these shepherds do? The other thing they didn't do says, the weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up. Listen to this. The strayed you have not brought back. What does a shepherd do? What does shepherding do? Shepherding means you go after the strays. One of the things about sheep, we talked about this last week. What it, what, they are prone to wander. They're prone to get lost. They're, they're one, of, one of the animals, okay, in creation that just, they can't navigate themselves. We're kind of like that, okay? Other animals can't. We had, a, we had a cat that jumped up into the car of the van and, and Emma went to the high school to pick up Haddon 
And when she got to the high school, the thing is cooking inside there. And he, he comes out of there like a rocket, you know. And, like, everybody tries to catch him, but, like, he's on fire. You know, he's been in the engine, you know. Pooh, over in the high school. A year later, Cat comes back. <laughs> Much to my sorrow. I mean, sheep don't do that. Sheep don't find their way back. Friends, there are people who have professed Christ in your family, in our church, in our small groups, in our Sunday school, who are straying from the truth. They're beginning to believe things that are not true. This is happening today. And they're not where they should be spiritually. They've wandered from the faith. They, they've begun to live in a way that, that, that they've wandered into sin. And they're in danger. A sheep that wanders from the shepherd who wanders from the flock, they're, they're going to die. And a professing believer who wanders from the truth, from the faith, is in danger of showing themselves to not be a believer. There's this passage in 1 John that's spooky. Basically says this, says, they, so these are wandering believers, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that it might become plain they're not of us. Like they weren't ever, they weren't ever believers. They wandered away and they didn't come back and people went after them and they didn't come back. Man, it, it's a dangerous situation. Professing believers who wander from the truth, they start doubting the truths of scripture. They begin to believe that which is false or they begin to wander from, from living the truth and they, they stray into sin. They need shepherding. They need someone who's looking out for their souls to go after them. To call them, to text them, to check on them. Hey, what's up? Hey, I care about you. Hey, there's, there's big stuff at stake. Hey, let's look at the scriptures together. Hey, let's pray through this. Listen to James. Listen to James on this. James 5, 19 and 20, my brothers. If anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone, who's someone? What's well, a believer? Someone who's connected to them. It's someone who's watching out for their soul. It's someone who knows them enough to know they've wandered and strayed. Maybe it's a pastor. Maybe it's a Sunday school teacher. Maybe it's a DT leader. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a grandma. Okay, someone brings him back. Let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death. Will cover a multitude of sins. Man, go look for him. Man, pull other people into that. Go find them. Lead them back. Organize a prayer movement. But again, this demands that we know the sheep. That we're watching over their souls closely to know that they've wandered from the truth or wandered into sin. A couple questions. Are you watching over anyone's soul? Number two, is anyone watching over your soul? Have you let anyone in enough where they know what's going on inside of you? One more. One more role of the shepherd here. Ezekiel 34, again, verse 4. The weak you've not strengthened, the sick you've not healed. 
The injured you've not bound up, the strayed you've not brought back. Look at this. The lost you have not sought. Now, he might just be saying the same thing as the strayed. I, I don't think so, though. Like, in other words, it's completely redundant. I, I think he's actually saying something else. I think he's saying there's sheep out there that need to be in the fold. Okay? It, it's this picture of the shepherd seeking the lost to bring them into the fold. The, the reason I, I, I'm interpreting it that way, I think John 10 is based on Ezekiel 34, and John 10, 16 finishes this way. And I have other sheep, this is Jesus talking, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. Okay, Jesus says, I've got other sheep that are not in the fold yet. They're not in the church yet. They're not in the small groups yet. They're not in, they haven't heard my voice yet. But I've already got them mocked out. I'm going after them. Guys, they're out there. Isn't that, isn't that cool? The sheep are out there, but they're lost. And when, when they hear his voice, now I, I know Jesus speaks internally through the power of the Holy Spirit, but how does, how, how, what, is, what does the Bible tell? How does Jesus speak? He speaks through his word, through the preaching, through the gospeling, through the testimony, through the sharing of believers. He speaks through shepherds who will proclaim the gospel. And Jesus' sheep are out there. And they need to hear the good news. They need someone to find them. They're in Woodward. They're sheep in Woodward who need to hear Jesus' voice. And when they hear, they'll believe and follow. They're sheep in Bangladesh. And they're sheep in Barachalam. And they're sheep in Beijing. And they need shepherds to proclaim the gospel. And when they do, they will hear his voice and they'll follow. There are sheep in the jungles of Papua New Guinea. And there are sheep in the Himalayas of Nepal. And there must be shepherds who will bring the good news of the gospel. And when they do, the sheep will hear his voice and they'll follow. This is the work of the shepherd. And we are to imitate the good shepherd. One final thing. We should do all of this in a genuine care for the sheep. So here's a danger. Ezekiel 34. 34.4. The weak you've not strengthened. The sick you've not healed. The injured you've not bound up. The strayed you've not brought back. The lost you've not sought. And with force and harshness you have ruled them. Okay, now... Sheep are dumb, and that means they're frustrating, and, and there's a tendency for the shepherd to be harsh. Okay? I've worked a lot of cattle with trainer, and one of the things I, I love about him is he never loses his temper with the, the cows, and he always just keeps it completely together. And uh, when I'm there, I don't know what happens when I'm not there, but I think I, I help him with that. Um, I wish Darren Cottom was here uh, in this service, but he's not. But uh, he tells other stories about getting angry with his cattle. But I, if, you, if you've ever worked cattle, you understand that, right? Like sometimes you, you want to give them the hot shot with, and increase the voltage, right? Man, don't treat Jesus' sheep that way. That's what was happening in Ezekiel 34. He says, man, you, you've abused my sheep. We need, we need shepherds who are going to love God's people. They're going to be gentle with God's people. They're going to care genuinely for the sheep. Remember what happens with a hired hand? What, what, we looked at this last week. John 10. 
12. He who is a hired hand, not a shepherd, who does not own a sheep, sees a wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and he scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. He, he runs because he doesn't care for the sheep. When things get hard, he's out. Man, let us not be those people that when things get hard with somebody, we're out. They're going to get hard. Friends, the truth is under attack. The lies of the evil one have permeated our, our world. There's more persecution against the flock of Jesus at this moment in history, I believe, than at any other time in the history of the world, around the globe. We need shepherds who will not abandon the flock when it gets hard. Shepherds who will love God's people. Shepherds who will not neglect the sheep. Who will care well for the sheep. Not do it for personal gain. Here's the last thing I'll say. Shepherds, small group leaders, DT leaders, who will, who will shepherd with joy. Let me, let me close with this verse. Hebrews 3, 17, 13, 17. Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning. Small group leaders, have you ever groaned? Let them do this with groaning, without groaning. Why? He says, that would not be of advantage to you. In other words, everybody, everybody loses when the people in spiritual oversight are grumbling and complaining about the sheep. They're Jesus' sheep and we're taking care of them. What a joy. What a privilege that is, right? Let's care for each other. Maybe the first step for you is, does anybody know you? Or do you work really intentionally hard to make sure nobody does? Stop doing that. Just stop it. You ever seen that Bob Newhart, I think it was, that sitcom? Anybody seen that where he counsels? And like, I don't remember what the lady's problem was. But he's just like, just stop. Just stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Just stop it. Let people into your life. Father in heaven, help us. Help us to care for people well. God, help us to watch over each other's souls. God, give us grace to go after those who are straying to go after those who are beginning to believe lies, who are beginning to wander from the truth, who are beginning to wander into sin, who are beginning to, to start a path that will lead to great misery. God, please help us by the power of your spirit to turn them back. Lord, that you might cover a multitude of sins. Father, help us to have joy in our shepherding. Help us to feed the flock well. God, saturate our own hearts with the word that we may have lots to share with those whom we are keeping watch over. Father, please help us. In Jesus' name, amen.